The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. A couple of years ago, uh, my wife Lou and I uh, went to uh, Clinton to visit the Icon Museum that's there. And there were a couple of things that really surprised me on that visit. The first was, I had no idea that uh, the idea of John the Baptist was such a captivating image for iconographers. There were so many icons of John the Baptist. It could have been that that was just the collection that they had over there at the time, but I have a feeling that there were a lot of icons done about John the Baptist. The second thing was, I thought it really should have been rated PG-13 for violence. Because all of these icons of John the Baptist, many of them at least, had a severed head down at the bottom of the icon. And John the Baptist was a pretty scary guy. He was bizarre. And we hear that as we hear the scripture read this morning. He wore camel's hair. He had a belt around his waist, apparently. Uh, He ate uh, locusts and honey. And he probably didn't bathe as much as we would have liked. (laughs) He was a wild man. Well, what's interesting to me is that Mark's gospel begins talking about John the Baptist, the one who is to make the way straight for the coming Messiah. The first verse in in Mark's gospel isn't a sentence. It is a title. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And then immediately Mark quotes Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That was to be the work of John the Baptist, this one that some called the last prophet, to be the one to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. But I think that Mark writes the opening of his gospel in this way. So that we understand that the beginning of the good news 
doesn't just begin with the birth of Jesus, but rather it begins centuries before in the Hebrew scriptures. We hear the the Hebrew people being comforted in Isaiah. It's a message of God's good news in ancient times, as well as in the time of the first century, as well as in our own times. The reading that we have from Isaiah this morning is part of that expression of good news from ancient times. Nearly 600 years before the birth of Jesus, Israel had been taken into captivity in Babylon. The tragedy of the exile was that the people lost their identity. They lost the land, which had been the promise of God. They lost their king and they lost the temple, which was the place for God. It was the place where they could draw closest to God. So they had lost all that in the exile. And life in Babylon during the exile might not have been all that bad. The historical record seems to indicate that uh, the exiles actually had their own towns in some cases, and some of them had prospered. But the reality was that they were humiliated. They were a people who were captive. They were strangers in a strange land. And what perhaps was worse was that it seemed that God had forsaken them, that God had broken God's promise to God's people. And then an amazing thing happens. Just as they're in the depths of their despair, a prophet comes forward declaring God's good news. And he's so convincing that the people who are without hope begin to hope again. In the Isaiah passage we heard read this morning, we hear this. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. And Isaiah responds by crying out, prepare the ways in the wilderness, through the desert, back to Jerusalem. The glory of our God shall be revealed. Now, if you have nothing to do this afternoon, I would invite you to take this passage from Isaiah and try to figure out where the punctuation really should be. Punctuation in Hebrew did not exist, so the quotation marks that are there are are the decision of a committee. But perhaps the punctuation is wrong. One of the things that we need to see in this passage from Isaiah is where it says, All people are grass, their constancy. And the Hebrew word there is hesed, which can be translated steadfastness, is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. And then perhaps God says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The thing that I think is so interesting in this passage is that God knows that the people are like grass. God knows that their faith is not so steadfast that they will return to Jerusalem. And once again, things will not go as God would have them go. But they are God's people. And God wants to comfort them. God wants to return them to Jerusalem. So I think we hear from Isaiah a call to turn from Babylon and turn toward Jerusalem, to turn from despair and turn toward hope. Isaiah's message was clear. It was hopeful. Get ready. God will comfort us. God will restore us. 
Now, more than 500 years later, the one who is sometimes called the last prophet, John the Baptist, begins to speak. The thing that's so interesting to me about this passage in Matthew and in Mark is that it says that all the people from Jerusalem came out and all of Judea came to hear him. Now, probably not all of them came, but a lot of them came. John the Baptist must have been a compelling preacher and his message must have been a message that really captivated the people. And so all of these people are coming to the Jordan and they're coming in response to a call from him to, as the translators put it, repent. And perhaps a better word would be to change one's mind entirely, to be transformed in the inner self. They were being called out from the city, from the countryside, to think about life in a different way and to see the possibility that they are forgiven for their sins. In a way, uh, John the Baptist was speaking to another people in exile, but this time they were in exile in their own land. The Roman authorities were there, and certainly many of, uh, of the Hebrew people had benefited by their relationship with the Romans. But they were still humiliated, not unlike those in the first exile. They were still people who had lost their dignity. And perhaps the worst thing was that the religious leaders had lost sight of God's good news. And instead of the good news, they were giving them more bad news. One more law after another. And the people could not meet the requirements of the law. And John the Baptist says to them, come out, repent, be transformed. Be free and hear what your God is saying to you, that you are forgiven and then be cleansed in the Jordan as a sign of that forgiveness. And just like the Hebrew people of old, God knows that they, like us, will fall back into some of the old ways. But God still offers forgiveness and welcome over and over again. John had a message for God's people in his time, a message of forgiveness and a message of God's comfort. And he captured the imagination of so many people because he was making it clear that one was coming after him who was anointed of God, one who was the Messiah. Well, as I thought about these two prophets and the messages that they had for the people of their time, I wondered what might be that message for us today. We all know we're in the season of Advent and we're every preacher that preaches preaches during this time about, you know, quiet down and just be quiet, be silent, reflect, prepare. And the reality is our lives are just going crazy. We have all of the things that are needed to be done to prepare the house or the apartment for Christmas. There's all the cooking that many people feel must be done in order for it to be a proper Christmas. And then, of course, there are the Christmas cards. Ours many times would more appropriately be called Advent cards, or rather uh, Epiphany cards, because they many times don't get out in Christmas. There are all these demands that are placed upon us, and we feel the pressure of all of this. And it's very hard to pull back and to simply reflect on what are we being called to do during this season. And I think what these two prophets are calling us to do 
is to reflect upon what it is that God would have us turn from and turn toward. I think God would have us turn from some of what we hear in the culture that enslaves us rather than liberates us. To turn from some of the values that are being pressed upon us every day that really are not our values. I think God would encourage us to turn from despair and to turn toward hope. To turn from those things that are holding us back in our spiritual life and turn toward those things that are freeing in our spiritual life that will draw, draw us closer to the heart of God. I believe that this is an opportunity for us, like the people in the exile, like the people who come to the Jordan, to be transformed for our inner selves, to be totally transformed, to see the world differently, and to move back and away from some of the things that have drawn us into ways that are not life-giving. And so this Advent season, my prayer for me and for you is that we might have a sense of what God is calling us to do and how we might be transformed. For I believe God is calling us out of Babylon and calling us into God's kingdom. Amen.